This is Witches, Bitches, and Dead People with Intuitive Oracle, Jamie Hearn. Jamie stirs the cauldron with witches, shamans, healers, psychics, and mediums who bravely share their power and give you insight into what conversations with dead people really look like. It's probably not what you think. Sometimes hilarious, sometimes macabre, and always informative. Hello and welcome back to Witches, Bitches, and Dead People. I'm Jamie Hearn, and today I'm chatting with Amanda Rolfe. Amanda's down-to-earth, home-educating mom of two young children. She had a near-death experience following the birth of her oldest child, and this cracked her wide open to a huge spiritual awakening. Funny, I had a similar situation, but I'm sure we'll chat deeply about that one. (laughs) She's spent the past seven years digesting everything that has happened to her and opening herself to new ways of healing and being. She loves shadow work, shamanic healing, and exploring her own darkness. She now uses her experiences to support other women, holding a powerful space for them to explore the wounds of their subconscious and rediscover the treasure of who they truly are. That's fantastic. And I'm super excited to dive in with you. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much, Jamie. Thank you for having me. And um, I'm excited to hear your story too. (laughs) So I normally pull a card before every chat. So today I pulled the individuality card. It's a really pretty card. Whoops. Um, It's about how every person has their unique path and story. Uh, And it actually says, the the wording on the card says, every person has their own personalized study plan in this earth school. So that's like, that's pretty accurate, at least from what I have learned of you so far. Yeah, definitely. Very accurate. (laughs) So let's start with your experience starting with your your child um i think those are always super powerful experiences even when they're not like holy shit i almost died (laughs) so tell us your story oh well um the story begins actually it was the night of the blue moon back in july 2015 and before i had my son spirituality was always a part of my life but just quietly in the background like I believed in life after death I believed in ghosts my dad would talk a lot about reincarnation so I was open to different ways of thinking about things but it was just filed away in the background and I didn't really do anything with it Um, and then my birth experience was sadly quite traumatic Mm -hmm. as it is for lots of women and difficult Um, and as my son was born I remember like a lot of the sensations in my body were so strong that I was quite frightened. And when I look back now, I can see the examples of soul loss at that point, because then after he was born, I have no memory for about three hours of anything to the point where for well over a year, I would quiz my poor husband incessantly. And then what happened? And who put his nappy on? Yeah, it was terrible. I was trying to piece together everything, like minute by minute. Who got him dressed? And then who came in? Because I couldn't recall anything. But what I do remember is about three hours after he was born, and I had this deep sense in my body, which I came to understand being my intuition, which is something I'd never really listened to. Something in my body was saying, 
something's wrong. And in my head, I remember having this conversation where I basically talked myself out of it in my rational mm. mind. Don't be silly, Amanda. You've just had a baby. He was a big baby. It was complicated. Like basically pull yourself together. So I didn't say anything and I carried on. And then the midwife said, oh, come on, you need to get up now and have a shower. You could sense they were a bit like pull yourself together up you get. So I found all the effort I possessed and they sat me on this chair. And I just remember saying to them, the room's gone white. And I had this profound sense of peace came over me. I could hear ringing in my ears. I couldn't see. It was just white light. But I felt really peaceful. And that was, it was a bit like a radio signal because then I had this calm sense of peace and I could tune in to like the panic of the room. I could, you know, hear the panic in the staff and the doctor's voices. I was aware of them trying to put drips in my arms um, because I'd lost so much fluid. But I had this quite strong sense of safety and, and this peace that was actually very lovely. So in the end, obviously, they managed to put all the drips on me and get me back on the bed. And it turns out I had some internal bleeding, so I had to have surgery. And I remember when they realised something was wrong, there was a part of me inside like, aha, I knew it. I knew something was wrong. So that was for me, like almost my first experience of the power of my intuition and how important it is to listen, like your body knows. So I went into theatre and I was taken in there by a doctor and it was about half past four in the morning at this point. And I think that always makes things more profound, doesn't it? Because obviously like the veil between the two worlds is so thin at that time in the morning. So I lay there in the dark and I was just so aware of this. I could sense other people's panic that they were trying to be cool and calm. But the anaesthetist brought my baby and laid him next to me like to try and calm me down because my heart rate was racing. And when they started the operation, the doctor said, oh, I'm really sorry, but this is like too complicated for me all to deal with. So I have to consult call the consultant. And he was obviously at home in bed at half an hour away. So I just lay in the dark for half an hour thinking nobody can help me. And mm. I was very much in and out of perhaps consciousness. Yeah. I think to an extent I had one foot in each world. I think it could have gone either way. And in fact, when I've done work, looking back at that experience, when I did some shamanic journey work with my teacher. Um, death was in the room, like wandering around as if to say, well, if she's going begging, I'll take her. <laughs> so, so, you know, thankfully the, the operation was successful and I was taken back to re- to recover Um And it was about half past six in the morning at this point. And I remember all of a sudden this knowing of I've made it like I've survived. Mm. And I looked over at my baby and smiled. And I feel like that's when perhaps some of my almost like the soul, you know, came returned back to me, to my body when I knew I was safe. Um, But that was kind of just partly the beginning of the story, really, because then after some time in hospital, we went home and I realized I developed this terrible phobia of the dark and nighttime I was having really profound whether they were nightmares I'm not sure seeing lots of images people beings so I couldn't sleep and I was also too frightened to go to sleep which just perpetuated itself and every time the dark would come I'd have this overwhelming sense of I'm going to die to the point where after, after about a week I nearly called an ambulance and again it was like the rational part of me arguing 
because I was like, well, you're not, what are you going to do? Ring up 999 and say, oh, I'm just convinced I'm going to die. Um, and I ended up, my sister took, did take me to accident and emergency. And I was, I was just desperate for somebody to help me. Like, please, somebody understand what's happening to me. Like, help me. And they looked and said, oh, maybe iron level's still low. You know, try to find rational explanations as to right. why it might be this. And then they were like, well, you can wait and see a psychiatrist. But in the end, I decided to come home. And the following day when I woke up, and again, every time the morning would come and I'd hear the birds sing and the, the light, the sun would rise, and I'd have this overwhelming relief of, oh, I've made it through the night. <laughs> and then one day that it just got too much. I was starting to worry about the nighttime coming, about it was lunchtime. It was getting earlier and earlier. And on my coffee table was a leaflet for a new wellbeing centre in our town. And my friend had been there and she talked about Reiki and I didn't know anything about what it was. But in my but, desperation. Yeah, right. I it just, feels yeah. like whatever was in front of you, maybe this will help. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, perhaps a message. I don't believe in coincidences. So I rang these poor people saying, please help me. You know, I feel like I'm going to die. And they were so cool on the phone because they could have thought, wow, she's crazy. They were like, come down, come down this afternoon. So I went in and um, the lady, Kim, who's now become a really dear friend of mine, she looked at me and she was obviously looking at me energetically. And she just right. said, your energy centers are just in pieces. Like, And I felt like that. I kept, I would explain to people, I describe it as like, I feel like I'm in bits. And she said, like, like my chakras, it was just all over the shop. So we went in. I had no idea what to expect. She lays me down on the couch. Um, and I was crying a lot to start with. And then she started the work. And obviously, now I look back, it was more like a shamanic journey experience. But I have my ancestors coming in, my grandparents coming to say congratulations for the baby. Oh. I could visualize and see um, like all this black and all the purple energy around it, having all these profound um thoughts and actually I, I love obviously on this podcast that we can just go as crazy as possible no <laughs> one's gonna raise an eyebrow in on this reiki treatment I had an image all of a sudden of like my spirit trying to leave my body to journey and that frightened me at the time and I thought no not today <laughs> um, no I'm not dying today yeah not or like, yeah I was like no this is all too much this is all too much um so I had the treatment and I felt a lot better for it, obviously, um, a lot more grounded. And afterwards, Kim, the practitioner, she looked at me and she said, do you understand what just happened? And I smiled and I thought uh, uh, perhaps something deep inside me maybe does know. But also part of me thought, no, I've, I've got this is mad. I said to my husband when I got home, I just wanted to have a baby <laughs> and not the get cracked wide open. To, right all these alternative you know way, ways of doing things and experiencing things so that's kind of the beginning of the how my story started well and I think that that's like a, a really great awareness for people to have because it always starts somewhere even if you've come into this lifetime with this great awareness and and openness it still started somewhere so I love that you can identify where it started. And even though in the moment, it sounds like it was scary as shit. Yes. <laughs> Looking back now, 
I'm, I'm sure that the pieces coming together do make a little more sense to you. Yeah, definitely. And it's one of those experiences that you look back and it's very hard. And sometimes now, even when I retell the story to people, I find the tears coming and I think, oh, wow, there's still a lot of charge there. But I wouldn't go back and change it because yeah. it's like I've lived two lives, like the one up until that experience and the life I live now, which is completely different, like being conscious of myself. So your your son is still pretty little, but does he exhibit any tendencies of being connected or having experiences himself? Not really overt ones. When he was young, he had his imaginary friend, which I really encouraged because I think it was obviously like a spirit guide. What mm -hmm. I found with him, I get really strong sense of um, he's quite new to me in this relationship. Like I feel like my daughter and her and I have been together before. But he is such a powerful teacher for my son. It's like he he's held up all my beliefs and expectations on a tray and said, yeah, but why do you think that's a good idea? And I've had to look at all these things in turn, like my beliefs about even just how I thought I was going to parent, everything, healthcare, education, everything, all of it, complete package. And I've had to look at each one and go, oh, OK let's unpick this let's dive in so he's a he's a powerful teacher for me he's a, like it's a real cycle breaker I have this uh, almost identical experience with my son that I passed up a death door when I had him very similar to your story internal bleeding they had to call the oncology surgeons to come in I can't remember a huge chunk so I really resonate with your story and he is my perfect mirror he reflects back to me all the shit I have to work on. And even some I didn't know I had to work on. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> totally. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's powerful. And it's an amazing relationship. It's hard sometimes because you're trying to do all like the normal parenting things, plus deal with all this as well. But I wouldn't have it any other way. My son is 17. So he's a little farther down the the growth path at least you know in the hu in human terms but last summer I was making something at the kitchen stove and he came in and he said ma did I kill you or did you kill me Whoa. he was referring to a past life and yeah. so my response was which one which time <laughs> wow that's amazing he and I unlike your story he and I do have a lot of history and we've got some stuff we need to work out. So we've both yeah. made a conscious decision in this lifetime to manage some of that and heal a lot of it. So I'm I'm so excited to hear your story and know that you're touching the lives of so many women, primarily, I think, is your, your audience. Um, yeah. But it's really, really important to share your wisdom with these people who might not otherwise have the permission to explore what needs to be healed within them. Yeah. And I think there's still a lot of within like popular parenting culture, you know, before I had my children, I had a very set way of how I thought I was going to do things. And then when he was born, it was like he was teaching a whole new way. And I felt like I almost didn't have a choice. Like I had to go with his lead because nothing else would work. But if you're trying to, you know, a lot of us have come with our own trauma to heal. 
And then when your children are mirroring it back to you so strongly, sometimes it is hard to know how to deal with that, how to be the conscious parents that we want to be whilst doing our own work. So, yeah, it's important, I think, that we have these conversations and we hold space for each other and that we normalise it as well, um, because it's easy, isn't it, to feel like perhaps you're the crazy one. Well, I said that to my health visitor when my son was a baby. I said, I feel like I'm going mad. And she just smiled and said, oh, if you were, you wouldn't know. <laughs> okay, okay then I'm all right because I yeah. feel like I might be crazy daily <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's really funny <laughs> so tell me about some of the shamanic journeying you do I think that's fascinating and I love going on journeys myself um so I think I first experienced it at a workshop that I went to and I was curious about and, um, you know, we started with the journey to meet the animal guides. And then Kim, who I had the Reiki with, her and her husband and some friends set up like a, a monthly group that we used to journey and drum journey and shamanic journey together. And there's some of the fondest memories I have, I think, my whole life just being together. And I started, oh, it's, it's so powerful for me. I think when I journey, it's like I connect to a part of myself that it's easy to forget about or it gets lost in the day-to-day -day, you know cooking the dinner loading the dishwasher feeding the pets um but it's like an old like a remembering um that comes back to me and I just I love it for if I want advice about things or just uh for that guidance and support so I loved going to those groups and we did some incredible journeys and it was wonderful and then I when my daughter was born, found a teacher online. Her name's Charlotte Gush at Shamanic Way. And I think I just saw it as a Facebook advert. And I thought, I need to work with this woman. She works as like a mentor and teacher and coach. And so I rang her up and I couldn't afford it at the time at all. But I thought, I'll just sell my possessions on eBay, anything. I need, I need to work with this lady. And so I started to work with her and she really helped me um, unpack a lot of my journeys more and where I might meet animals and guides. She really encouraged me to go in and to speak to these people and these beings and ask, who are you? Why are you here? What gifts you know, do you have? What qualities do you have to share with me? What can you help with? Um, and so now I think it's such a huge part of my life and lots of things all, in all my experiences, anything that happens to me, I look at okay, this is what's happening right now, but what's the kind of energetic or shamanic significance of this? So for example, um, we recently, we went to visit our family and we were driving home. And on the way driving there, I saw a buzzard in a tree. And on the way back, I saw two sat, just sat in a tree, um, which is quite unusual to see three buzzards so clearly. And I thought, again, for me, this is a message, you know, and whereas before, if I wasn't consciously aware of that, I just think, oh, wow, I saw three buzzards. But now I know, oh, something's trying to get my attention or there's a message in here for me. There's some medicine. Um, so, yeah, it's become a huge part of my life. I think that's so important for us to share with people because we can all just be caught up in the flow of our day to day drama and and all the stuff that's passing us by. But stopping to notice those messages adds such a deep dimension and really richness to our experiences that I treasure. Yes. And I think the people who seek out 
other women like us are also looking for those treasures to create whatever they're whatever they're lacking, whether it's a spiritual experience or deeper meaning or identify with who they are at soul level. There's so many opportunities. Mm, definitely. And I feel like this time there are so many people um it's like we're reawakening to all that ancient like the old knowledge that we would have brought with us from all the previous lifetimes that we've had I pulled a card about that the other day actually and it said remember all you know all the lifetimes you've had previously and all the skills that you've learned interestingly when I found out I was pregnant with my daughter and I just knew this time straight away I knew I was stood at the kitchen cutting up some potatoes and I had this wave of nausea come over me and I thought oh I know what that is and then I closed my eyes and I had this image of like women ancestors saying we're coming back for you and I was just overcome with emotion standing there in my kitchen and I also realized yeah I'm really lonely like I miss them but I don't realize I miss them if Mm. that makes sense and then when they kind of show themselves to me yeah I think there's so much that happens in our lives that even sometimes I'm not aware of you know if I don't oh, make yeah. the time yeah if I don't make the time to do my journeying then often if I go to bed at night I shut my eyes and stuff starts coming in and I have to say I can't do this now because I don't want to start something and then end up falling asleep and then you're not working cleanly you, you know you need to make sure you're coming back so yeah if I don't make time to to listen and talk they they come to me <laughs> Well, that's good incentive to make sure yeah. you make the time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, is your daughter younger? She is. Yeah, she's younger. Um, and I feel like, well, I, we've had lives together before um, because actually I had an interesting experience when my son was little, a conversation with his teacher. And all of a sudden she said something and I could just feel it in my guts, like this real, like a panic And normally I'm quite confident to, you know, talk to people, but I just had this go, like flight, just go home. So I held it together and we got home and then I burst into tears and I thought, this is really strange. And I unpacked that experience with my teacher a couple of weeks later and I was taken to um, a lifetime where I was, we were fleeing a village. We were under attack and we were fleeing and I'd got like a child with me and I had a baby strapped to my front and when my teacher led look down, the baby was my daughter from this life. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was powerful. Absolutely. It's so neat to see how things fit together. Um, <laughs> so when you found out you were pregnant with your daughter, did you have a fear about having a similar experience as you did with your son? Um, it wasn't too overwhelming. I before I became pregnant with her I believe it was around a full moon in February time and I just sobbed the whole weekend and this was all about I really want another baby but I can't go through that again and I just broke down I was awake all night crying which is very unlike me I went to a a workshop about meditation I spent most of the day crying so I think I processed a lot of stuff then and I think I knew it would be different um but as it the time came to give birth there was some anxiety but actually it wasn't too bad one thing that was interesting when I was pregnant with my daughter because and this has been a big part of my spiritual journey as well is like learning to embody my feminine energy more yeah because I realized that 
prior to even having the children I just dismissed it I didn't even realize what it was but I lived completely in my masculine doing planning busy I thought it was good to be productive and independent I don't need any help from anybody and so I've really noticed when I was pregnant with her just simple things wanting to connect with women going to circle wanting to express myself in a more feminine way and I actually had a mother blessing ceremony rather than a baby shower I love it my, yeah it was beautiful my friends came together and there were flowers and we shared food and they wrote little messages for me for my birth and postnatally and we put it on some bunting and hung it up so it's a very different experience like me learning to be supported and held by other people that's beautiful Mm. yeah it was a lovely experience it was a healing experience as well I think oh I'm sure and you know like it sounds like you were ripe for some healing. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so how can people find you and learn more about what you do in the world? Uh, so I have my website, which is uh, www.amandarolf.com. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, although I'll admit I'm quite quiet on Instagram. It's not my preferred uh, channel. <laughs> it's too, almost too much noise for me, all the videos and the I like quiet, profound, I like words, but it's Amanda Rolf Intuitive Wisdom. Um, yeah, and you so you can contact me there. So do get in touch. Tell me your stories. Um, if you're interested to learn more about this work for yourself, then yeah, get in touch. Yeah, I, I mean, I encourage everyone to explore what Amanda's putting out into the world because it's so powerful and you're building a community of women who need other women. So Mm. I love to see people flocking into that space and really creating a depth of support that we all need as we embark on this journey back to our sacred feminine. Because me too, totally guilty of spending way more time in the masculine. Even Mm. now, when I try to be intentional about it, sometimes I find myself sliding back a little bit. Yeah, but it's hard, isn't it? Like, I think it's a society as well. We're not really taught to value those qualities and behaviors. So, yeah, we have to be kind yeah. to ourselves. <laughs> In my generation, my mother was a hippie. So she's of the mindset, like, fuck the man. I don't need anything from anybody. I'm going to do what I want. I'm independent. Yeah. So that's how I was raised. And I'm mm. an only child. So I got all of her attention. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm working to do some unprogramming myself <laughs> yeah it's hard and as someone who also like has found it very difficult to ask for help and put my needs first yeah that's a that's a whole nother conversation and journey in itself isn't it but we desperately need the community I think women coming together at this time um last week I went to a new women's circle a song spiral and the leader said And this really stuck with me. She said, we're on the cusp of something really exciting this year. You know, she said, if we can all come together, she said, we could be dancing on the rubble of all the old ways by the end of this year. And that's what's given me goosebumps. I think that's so powerful. So, yeah, let's all come together and and dance and plant seeds for the new world. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. So I... I, I would love for you to keep in touch and keep me posted on how things are percolating on your side of the world. Yeah, I shall do, Jamie. I shall do. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, and I'll, thank you for having me. I'll see everybody next week on Witches, Bitches, and Dead People. Peace and badass magic. Thank you for listening to Witches, Bitches, and Dead People with Jamie Hearn. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in. 